Thank you for listening to Bit Party. My name is Brendan Cotta. My name is Jared Cotta. And I'm T. Coop. Whoa, hey, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Wait, usually you're on the back end of the of the Bit Party production. Yeah. But today you're stepping in front of the mic, which you're not unfamiliar with uh, being in front of a mic. No, no, not not at all. But this is this is exciting all the same. This is actually more exciting than doing a show sometimes because this is a special one. This is near and dear to my heart, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, okay. Well, before we get into the movie that we picked today, which is your favorite movie, and I'll let you introduce it, we want to talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that you do already. You're you're producing our podcast, but that's very a very small percentage of the activities that you participate in. You're a very talented musician and recording artist as well. I'm all right. I do a little bit of everything. I don't like to say recording artist. I just like to say I'm an artist. Okay. Because nice. I was doing stand up, writing and producing movies. Doing the podcast, mm-hmm. and the podcast mm-hmm. to me is just like everything else. Anything that you do, you always put one hundred and ten percent. So it's not a small thing. It's something that I enjoy doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> the most important thing is that I believe in the project. I like it. The ideas <laughs> are great. You. It's obnoxious. I'm a movie buff. You guys are movie buffs, so it just makes sense. Yeah, I think that it was uh, this collaboration was a long time coming, and uh, we got you involved early on in, in in what you're very talented in making us sound a little bit better. Brennan, you have mentioned this that our Quality has improved like crazy ever since we got working with Tiku. Oh yeah, big time. It makes us sound more professional. And I think that like, I listen to a lot of podcasts and that's the main difference between the ones that I continue to listen to for a long time and the ones that I just fall off of Yeah, is how much effort they sound like they put into it. There's a thing that they say in music, especially when you do back end stuff like production, post production, garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, if, if it's a shitty idea, there's n- no matter how great it sounds, it's still going to be a shitty idea. That's oh, true. Yeah. You know, so That's time, true. Like I said, you guys have you pick great movies. The the spinoffs are even better if you can imagine <laughs> that. So yeah, man, I'm excited. The Thank you. Is great. You guys need to. Do more. Yeah. Do more. Yeah. We got to do more. Uh, well, thank you again for joining us. And we picked your f- absolute favorite movie. You want to introduce the the film that we are doing this week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Children of all ages, everybody in between, we're going to bring to you the fifth element. That's when the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Everybody's. The, the fifth element, ladies and gentlemen, is my favorite movie. So much so that I'm wearing this shirt. We're actually going to record this one video-wise for something special we might do later. But yeah. I love this movie so much that I wore this shirt for my album cover for my second EP, which is uh, Songs Nobody Like To. And I'm wearing this shirt right now because I love everything about this movie. Yeah, and, and I don't want to give away too much of the plot. We're going to go quickly into the plot in a little bit, but the the image on your shirt is of Lilo holding her multi-pass. It's a perfect scene. It's an awesome shirt. Lilo Dallas multi-pass. <laughs> multi-pass. Lilo Dallas multi-pass. Multi-pass. Lilo, uh, multi-pass. She knows it's a multi-pass. Lilo Dallas, my wife. We're newlywed. If you don't have one, ladies and gentlemen, get one. Get okay. a multi-pass or a shirt? Multi-pass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want everybody walking around with my shirt on. Like, this is intimate. That's true. <laughs> Usually I have to let people know what the the order of things that we do in our podcast, but you're you're extremely familiar with it, so I'm just going to go into what have you been watching lately to keep up with pop culture outside of The Fifth Element? Oh, awesome. This is one of my favorite parts of the show, too, because it puts you onto different movies and even film Netflix binges that you just never would have thought of. So from, I forgot what podcast I was editing with you guys, you mentioned... Peaky fucking blinders. <laughs> so I had to binge on that. Yeah. Because I love British. So we introduced you to Peaky Blinders. You guys put me on to Peaky Blinders for sure. Nice. So I binged on that. And then uh, the movie I was actually telling you guys about before, Sexy Beast. Sexy, Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast. It's awesome if you've never heard of it. It's off and it's weird. It's quirky. You would like it. Who's in that movie? Uh, ben Kingsley stands out to me. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's a standout. He's he's awesome. Just like another Outstanding actor in The Fifth Element, Gary Oldman, which we're going to get into later. But Ben Kingsley just does, he carries the movie. Yeah. Uh, Bren, what have you been watching? Um, I've been watching, I watched the fifth season of Ojack Horseman. Okay. And I can't remember if I've talked about that show before on Big but, Party. But they just came out with a new but season. Yeah, they just came out. And I honestly think that's that show has some of the best writing of any show on Netflix. My, my perception of Bojack is that it's become more and more serious and also the writing has improved season after season. I'm noticing a lot more now people are 
toying with this idea of having animated series that are really, really dark yeah. and serious. Yeah. All these serious undertones, and then, like you said, the, the B and C plot, the tangential stuff can be so outlandish, it makes up for it, and it kind of balances out into a really good show. Yeah, definitely. I, I love that this idea. is a good example of that. It looks sick. You, 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 like, you like sick stuff. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of sick stuff, I have been watching, and I just finished Evil Genius, also on Netflix, which is a show about... Uh, a murder that took place in Erie, Pennsylvania. A man robbed a bank wearing a bomb collar. Very similar to like a saw-style device. Oh, yeah. And there were a number of kind of like hicks in the community that were also very intelligent, but like freaks. And they put him up to that, and it was it's it's sort of a mini documentary series, and uh, I was really impressed with... with uh, with the documentary series that Netflix puts out every single time is like amazing. I mean, yeah. if you've seen Making a Murderer, all those other, uh, I hear The Staircase is really great. Uh, I just highly recommend those murder uh, Because mysteries. this is based on a true story, right? It is a true story, yeah. yeah. It's all news footage and everything like that. Yeah, that the murder mystery genre is so popular now, it's on every girl's Bumble profile. This is they true. gotta talk yeah. about it. <laughs> For real. Every, every dating app is featuring a chick that loves murder. But you know why? Because all women think they're detectives. And they, <laughs> and they partially are. You know, so that just... I never thought about checking that on them. I shouldn't have done that. I, it was wrong to kiss you. Let's do this plot summary. Uh, this is your favorite movie. So I want you to feel free to reach in and drop, you know, whatever knowledge or lines that you want when we're when we're going through this. This movie starts off with Luke Perry investigating an Egyptian temple. They come to learn that in 5000 years evil is coming and the what is is it, how do you say it? Manushawans? No. Manuchiwa. Manuchiwa? Manuchiwa. Wow, it's spelled a lot different than I would have. <laughs> Manuchiwa promise their human contact that a priest of a secret order will come and bring them the ultimate weapon, the fifth element, which will be able to protect them from evil. Okay? But this is 5,000 years from then. Yeah, not today. No. When evil returns, so shall we. Well, now we're in the year 2020, 2263. Is that 5,000 years in the future? I don't think they did the math right. They- <laughs> Wait, does it say that in 5,000 years after 1914? No, no, maybe you're right. I don't think it's 5,000 years from from, that point. They just realized that... You're right. Every 5,000 years. Yeah, because the Egyptians were the last ones to get it, and then... Got you. Okay, so it makes a little... I was like, that's not right. (laughs) But in the year 2263, evil is coming in the form of deep space giant black fireball. The Mandachiwans now realize that it's time to come to Earth. They're actually, I think that they're bringing the ultimate weapon with them. They're bringing back the fifth element. We're introduced at this point to the Mangalores. Yes. And (gasps) who are the Mangalores? They are the dirtiest, most ruthless savages and scavengers of the universe. They're sort of a mercenary. They're mercenaries, but they're also a people with no land, so they just steal everything. I see. Oh, and, and this, pirates. Yes, they're, they're space pirates. They're space, space pirates. pirates. They're space yeah. pirates. Kind of on the vein of the space pirate, they are licensed by a very pirate-sounding individual. Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zurg. Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. <laughs> <laughs> Played by one of our favorite actors and one of your favorite actors. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Throwing down. We've done a few Gary Oldman. Well, we've done... Batman, yeah, done which one. he was amazing. In. The best thing about Gary Oldman is you never know it's Gary Oldman until the end of the movie. Yeah, you never. In know. this film, I did not. I would not have recognized him unless you said that he was oh, going to be man. in it. When I found out it was him, it was years afterwards. So my mom was like, "It's Gary Oldman." I was like, "Stop shitting me, lady! <laughs> okay, stop the lies! I'm a grown man. Tell me the truth, mom." <laughs> And one of my favorite thing about him is he always looks different. His mm-hmm. accent stays on point with whatever character he's playing. Mm-hmm. And he's got like got this southern twang, but not really a southern twang. In yeah. this movie, for particularly, right? He like he's does. a raging Cajun, but it's still evil. He's, he's pretty yeah. effeminate. But no, yeah, no actor falls into a role like Gary Oldman. The the conflict is becoming more and more clear as we go through this film. Zorg and the Mangalores 
are attempting to acquire the these stones that are required in order to defeat evil. Yes. The stones paired with the fifth element can banish evil for another 5,000 years. Right. Zorg doesn't want that to happen. He wants the evil to descend onto the earth now and wipe out everybody. Yes. I, it never is really clear why he feels like that's like it's, it's sort of a cleansing thing. By creating a little destruction. I'm in fact encouraging life. In reality, you and I are in the same business. When the Mangalores shoot down the Mandachiwan spacecraft, the only survivor is a severed hand of what will become one of our heroes. And luckily, New York has this amazing laboratory where they can resurrect people. And we get, I think what they're expecting is some action hero. Instead, we get a very sexy Lilo. Hi. Oh, you speak English now? Yes. I learned. Good. Yeah. Right? Lilo. 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 Dallas, it's okay. Lilo Dallas. <laughs> but she doesn't adopt the Dallas name until further along when she breaks out of her confined, uh, like, resurrection tube. And she runs out of the, the laboratory. And as she jumps out of this window, she ends up landing right onto Corbin Dallas's flying taxi cab. Bada boom, bada bing. Fell out of the sky right into my lap. Huh? <laughs> One of those things, man. Huh? That's perfect. Boom, big bada boom in the cab here. Look. Corbin Dallas is a former major in the Special Forces. He's played by Bruce Willis, one of the best action heroes across the board, in my opinion, especially when it comes to science fiction. Corbin Dallas. You understand? Here. True. I yeah. agree. Um, I think the 80s and early 90s, when he was kind of like building his career, um, you saw a, an acting talent in Bruce Willis that you don't really get so much later on when he's already famous. Mm-hmm. And I know that's common, but like I was really impressed with how he did in this movie. One of the things that always impressed me with Bruce Willis and even Mel Gibson to a lesser extent, every time you see Bruce Willis and Mel Gibson in an action flick, they look like they're getting their ass kicked. Their that's blood, their, whoever does their makeup and special effects for that stuff, they always look like they, they went through something. I yeah. hate when you... I mean, it's cool to see the hero ultimately win but I want to see somebody actually go through something and look like they've they've actually risen above yeah. you know every time you see Bruce Willis his arm's about to fall off <laughs> he's got like the Vegeta stance there's just blood <laughs> dripping down his arm his face is bashed in Corbin Dallas is suddenly tasked with taking Lilo to her final goal which is to become the fifth element to unlock the her secret powers and defeat evil to get the stones required to create the ultimate weapon, he has to go on a luxury cruise, which is a normal If you're thing. having a hard time following this plot, it's not Jared. It's the plot itself. <laughs> we are not on vacation. I'm on a mission, a very important mission. Of course, we recommend that everybody watches the films that we talk about. It gets a little bit better sense, but for the sake of simplicity, he is selected on the radio to go on a luxury cruise, and on that cruise, he will find the, the jewels required to unlock the ultimate weapon to defeat evil. It's so obnoxious. I this is the plot it's of the so film. obnoxious. Well, if you thought that was obnoxious, wait until Chris Tucker arrives <laughs> as Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod! <laughs> Ruby Rod is a very effeminate but very sexual yes. radio host. Time to join Ruby Rod and Corbin Dallas. Ruby Rod, I just there's for two hours of Nasty Carter. And Brendan wanted to point out that it's interesting that in the future they thought that they thought that like radio hosts would still be this huge deal, and they didn't foresee the coming of like sexy podcasters <laughs> well, taking I would, over. I would certainly say that Ruby Rod was the, the forefather to sexy podcasting. Oh, right. If anything. He made it possible. This is true. We are lives to him. <laughs> <He> made, <laughs> our, livelihood. our livelihoods. Yeah. Ruby <laughs> is the one and only winner of the Gemini Crockett Contest. This boy is fueled like fire. The major point is on this cruise ship we have the ultimate battle between Zorg and Dallas and Lilo and the Mangalores and they uh, acquire the the gems uh, the the luxury cruise liner blows up obviously they destroy the whole thing <laughs> they destroy everything they destroy everything <laughs> they I, I can't they, they escape in an escape pod is that am they I do. remembering that they do right? they get one of the last escape pods but 
Emmanuel Zerg has come back to the ship because Corbin Dallas has killed all the Mongolores, uh-huh. and he's got to get the stone himself because the evil is looking for him now. That's right. You know, so now he's made a promise. He's basically. made a promise, and he he never goes back on his promise. It's like Boy Scouts honor. So then they end up having to eject on the space pod because the the ship is going to blow up. Mm-hmm. He put a bomb in it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Time is running out. They make it to the the weapons chamber. You have to figure out the quiz to unlock each of the stones. They have to sweat onto one of them. The firing they have mechanism to, as he has these the arming, arming mechanism. Yeah. Because <laughs> all of the elements are fire, water, earth, air. Yeah. And then Ruby Rod remembers, I, I don't have no fire. I don't, I don't have no matches. You, you, you got matches, man? I don't have no matches. I mean, Father, you smoke? And who has one? Corbin Our Dallas. fearless leader. Corbin Dallas, who smokes a pack a day. <laughs> like but only day. has one match left. Only one match. <laughs> and so they save the day with one match. Yeah. Well, no, they don't save the day with one match. They save the day with love. No, Lelou, Lelou, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. I need you. I need you very much. Corbin tells her that he loves her. Mm-hmm. He kisses her square on the mouth. Yeah. And a beam of light yeah. fires out of her body. Into the fireball and, and saves the universe. And the universe is saved. Saves yeah. the universe. That is love saves the day. And My then, heart is pounding. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I just want to say to wrap up this whole obnoxious like pile, the final shot is like the two of them fucking in this pod. Oh yeah. In front of a bunch of scientists while Bruce Willis' mother calls him on the phone. Where that is actually the last scene. All night long. I totally forgot about the restoration chamber, (laughs) as they called it. And before we start to pitch our our movies, um, I wanted to ask this question. Brendan and I kind of came up with this together. If you had to live in one science fiction universe, which one would you choose? And and to start, would you want to live in the fifth elements? Um, I most certainly would want to live in the fifth element. You would, yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. Just for Ruby Rod's show alone. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a good point. He's super green. Super, super green. I would most certainly want to live in the fifth element because it's still still close to what life is like now. So I can see the... It's not so much of a jump. Okay. If I go to another one, it would be like uh, maybe The Matrix or, or even Star Wars. I could I could picture myself in that time and in that space, but... It's it's me putting myself there. And the fifth element, I just feel like if I took a nap for 5,000 years and woke up, that's what we would be living in right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. to me, that's not that big of a It's job. not too far. Yeah, you know, it's not as far-fetched. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to live in the fifth element's dystopia. It seems so chaotic, so much more chaotic even than, than it is now. But... I said that I'd want to live in the Planet of the Apes because I like the outdoors. I like that we've kind of broken down the stacked on top of each other lifestyle. What do you, what do you think about that? You I mean, I don't think I'd fit in very well, but... You wouldn't, you wouldn't man. I, don't, I just don't just see keep, you with apes, man. Just, just be the be <laughs> part of the resistance. I guess. Where are you going to... Or like a mask? I like to hike. <laughs> <laughs> they can't hike in. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, there's only so much hiking you could do, though. And you know monkeys throw shit. God damn you! God damn you all to hell! I could, I could live in the Fifth Element universe. Okay. Like, the way that they portray his kind of tight, small apartment living... Yeah. Doesn't seem that bad. Right. It's but very fact, functional. It's very functional. The fact that things, like, curl into the wall... Yeah. I could live like that. Um, but I think if I had to choose one... I would probably go with the Star Trek universe. Okay. With the for the for the reason that in Star Trek, Earth itself is fine. That's why mm-hmm. they're putting so much towards exploring the universe. So it's a win-win for me. Either I stay on an Earth that's doing win, really doing well, well. Yeah. or <laughs> I go towards like their biggest industry at the time, which is exploring the universe. And yes, I could die horrific, horrifically in space, but the chances that I'll have some fun adventures along the way. Are a lot higher. I feel like you're in, you're in it for the thrill. I'm in it for the thrill. Yeah, hey, man. Yeah. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Okay, we're here. We are at the most important part of Bit Party, the part where we really show our love for the characters that were somewhat important to the plot, but that we need to explore more. 
You're very familiar with this process. Yes, yes, yes. And this is also the most important part because this is where we get our four million bucks. That's right. That's true. Perfect. You guys are forgetting about the money. People think I'm here for the love. No, I'm here for the money. (laughs) It's so easy to forget about the money because it's like there and then it's gone and all I have to show for it is is some dumb bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 blow through a million dollars like it's nothing. I know. You know how that we. You know how we go. Love your vigor when it comes to spending money, (laughs) especially money that I don't have. I, I can totally get behind that. Who wants to go first with their pick? We want to save the guests for last. Yeah. Okay. I'll go first. So one of the bit parts that I really liked that I didn't get enough attention mm-hmm. was um, Luke Perry as that sexy archaeologist. He was. He was great. Billy. Yeah. As yeah, Billy uh, Masterson. Mm-hmm. He was great. And one of the things that I noticed when I was putting this character together was that when they go back into the chamber that he falls into with the alien, there are no remains. Which made me think mm-hmm. maybe there's there's more to this story because he was supposed to be in that chamber. He did. Yeah, he died. He gets yeah. sealed. He gets sealed. We in. assume that he died in that chamber. Yeah, we yeah. we never see him yeah. actually die. And it was only about three hundred or so years afterwards. There should be bones. <laughs> yeah. There should be clothes. Right. You could obviously chalk it up to director incompetence, <laughs> but I like to think that he was telling us that there's more to this Luke Perry story than than what we saw. Maybe there's a secret passageway he found it. That's right. Remember cuz yeah. he you know he took oh, notes. Yeah. He took notes. He was very him. familiar with that whole the fake chamber. Edition. Yeah, he so he knew his way around. So maybe he gets out alive. And what happens? Maybe he gets soon? out alive. The direction that his career path makes is trying to prove the existence of like ancient aliens kind of that history channel uh-huh. direction mm-hmm. and maybe he gets into this like clash with Indiana Jones which leads into the bullshit fourth Indiana Jones movie where he actually finds aliens wow. <laughs> holy shit you're <laughs> blowing my right, mind right now literally it's happening okay I like this this is a, a uh, Indiana Jones style in between fifth element and the fourth Indiana Jones we can even Luke think where Perry appears <laughs> the element of the fourth Indiana Jones <laughs> I love it, it already has of the lost arc <laughs> I think it would be a good rivalry yeah, Brent, I like that a lot. I'm going to come at it from a different angle. You're going back to the beginning of the film, Way back to back. 19, the 1900s. Back. I'm going to stick with the the timeline of the film as it is, and I'm going to focus on Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod. <laughs> and there's something character. he there's something he specifically says at the end of the film. T. Coop. Oh my God, this is the best show I ever did in my life. <laughs> this is Ruby Rod signing off from around five to ten. Sending off. <laughs> so he's, flustered. He's so <laughs> flustered because he's just finished the best show of his entire life. And this energy, adrenaline rush has given him a new perspective on life. He's a changed man. He was a, he was a uh, hoity-toity uh, radio host for a long time, living in, the la- in, in luxury. But that's not how you make great... Radio, I guess. <laughs> you have to be in the field getting fucked up. Hands on. And yeah, very hands on. So he his new approach <laughs> to his show is finding it's a sequel to this film, focusing on Ruby Rod, of him just trying to find his next great adventure to continue to have the best show in the universe. Which he already has, so yeah. I, it's crazy that he's gonna change everything up, but he's such a passionate artist. <laughs> What he wants en- to be a hard-hitting journalist now. Right. What it ends up becoming <laughs> is basically a futuristic vice where he is in the middle of these war zones or finding, like, the most ridiculous, dangerous drug that you can take. <laughs> you know, like the hard-hitting journalism that Vice provides. This is Ruby Rod reporting live from Planet... What's the name of this planet again? <laughs> I don't know. But they gave me something, and it's just... This stuff is amazing. How <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! You have a uh, archaeology-themed Luke Perry adventure. You have a Chris Tucker inventing the, a future version of Vice News. Now, T. Coop, we're ready for uh, for your your pitch. Um, but you, you you don't have just one pitch, really. No man. Or maybe it's like you more, you're too in love with this film. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not too in love. You're the right <laughs> amount of in love with this film. <laughs> yes. But you are so in love with this film. Tell I'm, me more. I'm like Ruby Rod. I'm confused. Is it good enough? Is it green? Is it super green? Green like what? Oh my gosh. So I love the pitches because first I love Luke because he's not a, a main character, but he's a, an essential character. He's like right when the, the shindig starts off. So mm-hmm. 
he's our introduction to aliens. And then, you know, Ruby Rod, enough said about Ruby. Right. Mm-hmm. But I just had to, like I said before, when you, when you look at this film, it's so obnoxious on so many levels. The first thing that sticks out as most obnoxious is Debo's the president. So one of my first pitches was going to be, how the fuck does this guy become president? <laughs> okay, he's like a super strong man, Mr. Universe. He's got a cock eye. Yeah. So maybe he was in the military. Okay. Maybe he's in the special forces. Like whatever branch oh, Corbin yeah. Dallas is in, he was in there like maybe 20 years, you know, prior. Or, you know, so his senior. Yeah. So maybe he, he, he does all these extra great missions, you know, across the universe, earning his stripes. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. really just a backstory on how this guy who looks like a total... Brute. Like, if yeah. Conan was president, yeah, I yeah. mean, we had Arnold Schwarzenegger be a governor, so I guess that's the closest we could get. <laughs> it's not too far. <laughs> it's not that far fetched, but that was my first one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah so, so it can go. It can go in a lot of directions. Whether we're focusing on exactly what he did in the military to get this reputation, or if we wanted to focus on right when he's getting out and his his political battles that he that he had to go through in order to reach this level. So yeah. it really has a lot of flexibility. We know we can deep with this. We can really deep. Yeah. But then we have Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zerg, please. And then that character, because it's Gary Oldman, is gonna be freaking awesome. What is his backstory? What is his rise to power? Mm-hmm. And most importantly, how does he come in contact with the evil? Because mm-hmm. they never say it in the movie. They That's don't. true. From from the first inception of it, as soon as the ball of evil appears, out of nowhere, it starts uh, sucking up all these radio waves, and he just calls Gary Oldman, like if it was a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Hey, I'm back. <laughs> exactly. So Gary Oldman is like... You up? He's, he tells his assistant, I'm out of the office unless it's Mr. Dark, and if it's Mr. Dark... Mr. Shadow. Mr. Shadow. Yeah. <laughs> and then so the lady goes, you told me not to disturb you, but it's Mr. Shadow. And he answers like, hey. <laughs> How hard would it have been for them to like make it so this force of evil contacts him through like a dream? <laughs> they have to go through his secretary? <laughs> <laughs> and then not only that, he's got this weird name that's like, I'm from everywhere. Yeah. So I think he's got like some Creole Cajun in him. So he does like maybe some backwoods, heebie-jeebie, voodoo, mm-hmm. Santeria, where he gets all these business tips or he sees the future oh. or something. So he sold his soul essentially he, to he, become he a sold, successful. How did he get because you know, nobody tells you how he becomes the trillionaire and owns so many companies. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's wow. really cool. Yeah. Okay, well, Man, we, we have to we have to make a decision here. I I have to lean towards T-Coop because it incorporates two bit parts. Obviously Ruby Rod is an excellent uh, Ruby. He's an excellent bit part. I mean, you know, that would be my my only pitch to pick mine. Yeah. But there's no reason why Ruby Rod can't be in any of these films. Of course. Yeah. You know what? He can make an appearance. He can make an appearance for make sure. Appearance. That's true. I think that we're going to have to go with what, Brent? Maybe we should do a little sidebar. Uh, the Kata. Yeah. Kata Brothers first. and then Yeah, TQ, if you could just leave the apartment. Yeah, yeah. no problem. I'll go out. <laughs> Take five, a stoner's break. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, we're we're gonna go we're gonna go with yours. You know, not only because you're the guest, but because you have really embraced the bit party attitude. Thank yeah, you. and picked the really two characters, that. the strong bit parts, mm-hmm. and because I refuse to make a film without Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We have a few standards. We have a few standards to uphold here. Hey, Jeff like Goldblum. It. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum will have to be in this film, but I, I feel like he what? fits in. I don't obviously. think that that's even a question. <laughs> I don't think that that's ever a question. Jeff Goldblum is in almost all of our films. I know he's going to fit in perfectly. Multipest. You know this multipest. Lilo Dallas. Tiku. Producer, artist, writer, athlete, athlete, podcaster. Podcaster. Definitely a podcaster. Just just added that to your resume. I know. And don't forget comedian, actor as well. Comedian, actor, and now podcast. Now successful bit partier. Yes, and that's... Honestly, my proudest accomplishment to date. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I can put that right on top of. Uh... We we pick the guests movies a lot, but it's not because we discussed that beforehand. Like we got to give it to them; they're the guests. No, we don't know. We didn't know what you were going to pitch at all. It's always solid. Like your idea was so solid. I think what it really is is that the guests that we have on are significantly more talented than us. <laughs> so we're just grateful that people will come with good ideas for once. Hey, yeah, I'm used to carrying the team, guys. It happens. <laughs> 
No, no, you guys had good pitches as well. Like I said, you guys, you guys usually take a good time to think about it, and you always pick great tangential characters, which I love. Thank you. Thank Just you. mine was better this time. It's <laughs> true. This is facts. Let's let's go into this film, and it is awesome because we are blending two bit part characters: Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg and President Lindbergh, played by Tiny Lister. A.K.A. Debo. A.K.A. Debo. Debo. And for our audience, we may switch back and forth between Debo and President Lindbergh. I'm sure I will. <laughs> just bear with us. If you could keep up with the plot summary, you'll do just fine. <laughs> yeah. T-Coop, how do you see this film starting? Okay. They're going to be from the same kind of southern town. You know, like this, you know, as much of a, a hick town as you can have in the future... Okay. Yeah. But I see them kind of being kids at maybe the same elementary school, middle school, or something. And Lindenberg, he's always been just this massive brute, picked on everybody, especially if you were a smart, nerdy kid. Yeah. Okay. And I could see, you know, Zurich kind of being this atypical nerd mm-hmm. that, that just gets picked on for whatever reason. Where, where else do you think we can go from there? Well, okay. So I they're a great start. They're, they're in the they're in the same town and they interact a lot. And Lindbergh is always picking on on Emmanuel Zerg. Yes. Uh, because he's, he's like you said, the, dark, the dorky one. And so then there's this already generated animosity between the two of them. And what I see is that Zerg is very smart. He should end up going to some some excellent business school because he's a businessman in the, in the fifth element. And I think that Lindbergh gets in a little bit of trouble, and that's what pushes him into the military. Awesome. He can get booted, booted out of school. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He gets spelled, and he goes to a military camp. And he kind of totally revises his character. Okay. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest anymore. He gets humbled by military training. He gets introduced to being a team member and seeing how his... How important it can be to be a part of something and, and that you need people. You can't mm-hmm. just pick on people. You they, know? Yeah. they both come into their own in their individual next steps in their life where Zorg... But the, but in a lot of ways, it's very different. Right, Brent? Yeah. Like, Zorg is doing great in business school, but that's because deep down he's a little dark and conniving and, and, uh, and a shark. Yeah, he's yeah. got to be like reading the... The art of war every day by Lao Tzu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of Machiavellian. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing that I want to make sure that we reaffirm early on in the movie is that Lindbergh needs to um, atone for what he did, because I think we both we all want Lindbergh to be the protagonist. We want people to root for Lindbergh. True. And if he's this massive dick as a kid right. and never does anything about it like you kind of I don't want there to be that much sympathy You're with, not with Zerg it. yeah, be yeah. But, don't be a dick let's, let's talk now about what the conflict eventually becomes we have Zorg who is just learning now about the darkness in the universe and we have Lindbergh who is who is now pledged his life to stopping the evil that is in the universe I think that Zorg maybe we got to bring back in the Mongolors, and they're, they're like an, they're like a yeah. long time oh, yeah. militant group. They're big, they're ugly, and they stink. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a Ruby Rod cameo in this. Oh, film, you have to once. I mean, he should be on the radio, like playing every every oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah. Every, so every word scene would just have a little Ruby Rod. Yeah, in this the is background. the three to five. We could do like a welcome Vietnam, good morning Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Type <laughs> so he's on the military base. Oh, I love that. This he was a military one. DJ. <laughs> this is Ruby Rod. Get your asses in gear. Get ready to do the steps and spears. <laughs> you know, he'll do something like that. Perfect. We've but been, I definitely, we've I got the Ruby Rod <laughs> cameo very fleshed out. That's awesome. <laughs> Founding flow of nonstop wine, women, and The same time we're seeing Lindenberg change into a good, wholesome man, yeah. Zerg is just getting more and more into the trenches of the underworld yeah. of the universe. And maybe because of his success, he's like coming out of his shell more because the Zerg that we see is very eccentric. Yeah. And like flamboyant in his yeah. dress. Let me try to establish this conflict that I, that that we've kind of talked about and that we seem to be going towards. The the Mongolors exist in this universe, of course, to do the bidding of evil people. They are being compelled at this time to acquire a major weapon that a higher alien group can use against Earth. Let's call them the Night Shadows. The Night Shadows. Because we never see perfect. it. That's perfect. They're like shadowy figures that 
toy with our imagination. The night shadows are asking the Mongolors, you acquire this, we'll destroy the earth. Lindenberg is tasked with finding that weapon before the Mongolors can get there. Okay, This conflict is like very triangular in that the higher alien race has hired the Mongolors. They're all trying to destroy Earth. Lindbergh, who we know is in the special forces, is obviously trying to prevent this. Zorg, on the other hand, who has become tapped into his evil side, is maybe going to do something... Is he going to be on the side of these higher race of aliens, or does he take more control of the situation himself? So I think he should be pretending to work with the higher class of aliens, when really his plan is to undercut them and take this. I like that. It's more sinister. Well, I think then, that, like you're saying, he hires the Mongolors to turn their backs on the, the higher alien and the, dark, the Shadow Knights. They murder them, and they're going after this ultimate... This, not ultimate weapon, because we know that Lilo is the ultimate weapon. But they're going after this superior weapon uh, to to use against Earth. There's a big clash at some point between Lindenberg, Lindbergh's special forces and the Mongolors. We're going to have our protagonist, Lindenberg. Even though he's like the only one to survive from his group, he, he gets the weapon that everybody's desperately searching oh, for. Oh, yes, perfect. But let's say, you know, Zerg is a, is a, a mover and a shaker. He's really smart, and he's planning this out. You know, he's not a schmuck. He's not a schmuck. Right. Or he has to have, like, no matter who comes out on top, Zerg comes out on top. Right. But he'll, he'll do it in a sneaky way. So let's mm-hmm. say it's a sleight of hand. So everybody's fighting for the weapon at some area. But he's okay. really starting his delve into the dark arts of what the uh. Manuchiwa were looking for. So maybe he's somewhere, as, as this whole battle is going on for the weapon that everybody sees as in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. He's so more in the Mesopotamia and one of the hidden tombs getting the first piece of clues to the evil. Perfect. And this is where he begins that summoning, that voodoo that allows him to be in touch with uh, the, the evil. Yes, and that is, you know, what ultimately launches his rise to superpower. Okay. He's in a position of power right now, but right. He's, he's not satisfied. He's, he needs more. Yeah. We have a story that goes from... It's proving that people can change either for the better or worse. It's a story about people coming into their own. Um, it is a, an action film, uh, battles with aliens, strategies, and undercutting people and selling people out like and getting, getting glory. And we know it. I think in my, in my head, that last scene is Lindenberg going on the, the campaign trail to become president and it pulls around to him making the speech everybody's cheering because he's a war hero and out in the distance or maybe in his tower you have Zorg he's smiling in a sinister way Mm -hmm. he knows that evil is coming in the next maybe few years and that Debo will be president and he will be held responsible for the demise of humankind oh yeah bring the world shattering down yeah that's right yeah he raises his enemy up just to like, because he's so sure that he's going to get knocked down. Just to see him fall. The fall yeah. will be so much sweeter if he can take oh, him out yes. this way. Sound of a bitch. I think we flushed that out I think we good. nailed it. We nailed it. I, I want to I cast it because it's not complete until it's we can see the characters in our mind. Like, mm-hmm. really picture the people. And, and I, I, I know two people we have to cast right away. Right off the bat. Right off the bat is Gary Oldman and Jeff Goldblum. The two best actors in Hollywood right now. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, Brent, I'm you had an idea for, for Jeff Goldblum? I had an idea for Jeff Goldblum that I really liked. I kind of wanted him to be the head of the, what were they, the Shadow Knights? Something like that. Yeah, something like just, the Shadow Knights. Yeah. I wanted to be the head of the Shadow Knights because, especially now that we have that idea... The fact that they're this shadowy figure, but as soon as, like, Zerg meets him, he's just Jeff Goldblum, like, <laughs> what's up? I've been, like, duping over these dumbasses for years. Jeff Goldblum already proved that he could play this type of alien in uh, Thor, Ragnarok. This is true, this is true. That's cool. And he's a literal alien man, so he could play this very well. J-Dog can do no wrong. Do you have a, char- a character or a, a person that Gary Oldman can play? Do you still want him in this film? Gary Oldman can be in any movie okay. that I ever make. All right. Okay. Even if he just comes in and slaps somebody's mama. <laughs> Straight up. Not to jump around, but I have to mention Gary. I love Gary Oldman. He did True Romance. Okay. Which is a Quentin Tarantino film. 
Oh, True really? Moments. Okay. So True Moments, but he plays a white guy with dreads and gold teeth who's a really? drug dealer and a pimp. What? But his accent is, it's so surreal how good that guy is. Yeah. He actually says in the movie, you must thought it was white boy day. <laughs> he says that to somebody else. Really? As a white guy with dreads and gold teeth. So, anyway, Gary Oldman can do it all is what I'm saying. Yeah, Just like it. the J-Dog, he can do no wrong. I love it. So, since he's making a cameo, and obviously since he's Zerg in The Fifth Element, he mm. can't play that. Yeah. But maybe he can be the sitting president of the universe. You know, ah, that's he can maybe interesting. Do that, yeah. or maybe like a, a high senator, or something along. He's still a, a political figure, and yeah. he just kind of makes a cameo and wink, wink right. for the crowd, for the, for the big fans. Channel the, the role fans. that got him his, his Oscar. Hey, that's that's true. true. That's true. Okay, okay. I, I like that, and I, I think that what we need to to do is now cast the young Lindenberg and the young. Zorg. So just to be clear, not like young, young, but this is when they're. Oh right, when they're. This is them the throughout the the majority of the film. I have one for President Debo Lindenberg, but I'm gonna hold off a couple seconds on that, and I kind of want to start with uh, a young Zorg. I'm gonna defer to you guys first because you guys actually do a good job. Okay. With casting, and I never think about the casting, even when you were editing the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, how did you even think of this guy <laughs> to play this guy? What do you guys got? Look, for, for me, somebody that has that sort of refined and flowy characteristics is uh, Tom Hiddleston. You know, a lot of people oh. know him as Loki in the Marvel Universe. God, I think, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he's already a mischievous, like, strategizing, uh, conniving cr- individual. He's British. Also. He's British. Yeah. Although, the only problem, I suppose, is that that accent is so iconic for that character. Yeah. And while I think that Hiddleston is a great actor, maybe we want somebody that's a little bit more... Yeah, so someone that I was thinking... more natural. As much as I love Tom Hiddleston, and I think his look would be fantastic for it, Uh someone that came to my mind when we were talking about a younger Zerg was an actor named Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch. He had a prominent role in Friday Night Lights. Oh, okay. I I know exactly what you're talking about. He played uh, Gambit in the best X-Men movie, X-Men Origins Wolverine. There you go. See, now I remember him from that. That is good. Yeah. yeah. He, he's Cajun in that one, too, isn't he? He's Cajun. I think he's Southern in both of them. I think that Taylor Kitsch would, would be perfect for that role. And we want to build up like kind of a newer actor that's had fewer roles. This yeah. would be a great, fun, energetic role for him to play. Yeah, because we're big-time movie hotshots. <laughs> we can give opportunities left well, we can We can cast almost anybody. anybody. The budget for this film is going to be ridiculous, oh, but the, we want to we wanna build up new talent. Great casting. On, the accent, on the accent alone. Yeah. yeah. It would be so natural for him. That's here, important. Here. Okay, well, now you have to hit us with somebody for uh, okay. Debo. Well, for young Debo. For President Lindenberg, a.k.a. Debo, it just came to me out of the sky. It's kind of like Lilo. Yeah. <laughs> so, O'Shea is his, is his first name, right? Okay. I just call him Lil Ice Cube. Because he looks Oh, I know like exactly. Ice crushed ice. ice. Crushed ice. Crushed you ice. Know? <laughs> but it's Ice Cube's son. O'Shea Jackson. Oh, O'Shea Jackson. If you, if you saw the uh, NWA movie, yeah. he plays, he actually plays Ice Cube. His dad. He yeah, plays, he plays his, dad. his dad. And he, he looks, looks so good. Yeah. So he's got the badass look. Yeah, so he shaved his head. I, I think he could do. Uh, I, I think know? that that is a really good, yeah. When I'm looking at him now, uh, I think that he definitely has, he has the appearance. He could easily be groomed and trained into a character that looks like a young Debo. And it's just paying homage. You know, Debo got his first start in Friday. Yeah. You know, it's a callback. That is a double... Yeah, it's so many layers of why this is the perfect casting. Because, yeah, initially the O'Shea first thing Jackson. I thought was, you know, maybe Forrest Whitaker. Could be <laughs> that's just because of the eye. Forrest yeah, Whitaker's his obvious choice. That's the... Who could fit, Forrest Whitaker could maybe fit in as Debo's father. Okay, so now we fit in all the characters that we well, really need. That, no, that is great. O'Shea like Jackson it. Jr. for... Yeah. Gary Oldman. Look at Ooh, this film. It's wow. just already just burgeoning. Amazing. Oh. Fire! So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot. Hot! That was a $4 million pitch right there. Easily. And Easy. I know it's going to... And like we always bring this up, this movie is going to make many, many millions of dollars in the international markets, you know, across the world, across the galaxy, perhaps. <laughs> 
But because we love art, you are an artist as well. You understand this. We, we, we only take the $4 million. Mm-hmm. No more, no less. One, $1 million for each of us. And our, our brother Marshall gets $750,000. Okay. Landis still gets $250,000, even though he left the show, but he is a stakeholder in he's, the he's company. On the board. He's on the board. He's on the board. You got to read the fine print, guys. Just think that Every it's time. what a disappointment he was. <laughs> you know? T Coop, have you ever held a million dollars just in your hand? Because we, we also, a part of the contract is they have to give it to us in cash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then almost literally lit it on fire immediately. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever just thrown a million dollars off a bridge? No, actually, I usually just stuff it in my to go bag. <laughs> Smart. Uh, yeah. Smart. We never thought about doing that. Uh, the you last know. time I had a million dollars in my, what was that, Tuesday? <laughs> no, I, actually, not, not that you mentioned. I don't think I've ever done that. Actually. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, that's that's I was going to say you're you're well adapted at spending it in a crazy and frivolous way. Well, yeah. that is the rules of this game here. Once we get that million dollars, well, how do you spend it? You, just use your imagination. Go crazy with this million dollars because the best thing about being a bit partier is that there's always going to be another million it's dollars. It's coming. It's coming. It's, it's coming. rolling in. The it's just rolling don't in. Stop around me. Who wants to go first? Who wants to give their million dollar decision, their their idea for how they're going to spend this million bucks right away, one shot, boom. Bren, you want to go first or you want me to go? You go. You, me go. You go. Me go. Me, you go. Uh, me? Me go. You go? No, no. You go? No, you wait. You're not allowed. Okay, I'll go. At one point in the fifth element, I think it's right when we're introduced to Zerg. He shows off this interesting gun that has all these... It's like a Swiss Army knife. Voila! The GF1. I remember, yeah. It has, like, the frozen feature and the flamethrower feature and the net launcher. I would like to devote my million to making that, but in, like, kind of an Elon Musk flamethrower way. Like, it's non-lethal, and it's just kind of a fun, like... (laughs) You sell a certain amount to people. I really think I really think that the net no, that's fun. a great feature. Yeah, it seems to be it, that rich people are building their own little weapons. Their arsenal, yeah. yeah, which is a scary thought, but uh, that seems to be the popular thing right the now. The purge is coming. You got yeah. <laughs> They're really preparing themselves oh, for whatever ready. the fuck is going to happen next. Oh. Brendan, I like that you have adapted a prop in the film into your million dollar idea. Mm. I have done something similar, although mine, I believe, is significantly more functional for our usual day to day. I am going to recreate a ruby rod Mike Kane. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be totally, it's going to be linked to my computer at all times so I can just podcast on the go mm-hmm. all the time, never stopping. I'm going to take it to a Miami jeweler, the one, whoever made the turnover chain, the, the, <laughs> the Miami, the UM turnover chain, totally covered in diamonds and jewels. With my million dollars, I don't know how many diamonds or jewels you can buy with a million dollars, but enough, enough, yeah, enough. sufficient amount. You get a sufficient amount. Across. You get a point, and uh, yeah, I think that that will. I'm gonna have that, so I can I can do that at all times. A ruby rod podcasting mic encrusted with diamonds. Well, you guys have inspired me. Now, since you guys have something from the film, I feel like I need to buy something for the film. So I'll just <coughs> excuse me. I'll just add this on. I'll just buy like every Ruby Rod costume oh, that there are whoa. on set, okay? And just to be obnoxious, I would host the first hot dog eating competition <laughs> in the Bahamas with a ru- as a Ruby Dressed Rod. Just as Ruby Rod, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll fly in every hot dog eater in the universe. Now, just forget the in world. the universe. I mean, of course, we're gonna have the the Earth staples. We'll have the Kobayashi, Tobayashi yeah. guy. What, what's compelling you to do it in the Bahamas? Uh, I just like the water. Yeah? Yeah, that's it. I just wanted to be by an island. I love islands. No <laughs> clear reason. And I figure Caribbean people don't eat hot dogs like that. Okay. They don't eat hot dogs. That they would eat. make the competition even better. See, to have exactly. Them. Bahamians are like, give me some island food, wait. I don't need that shit. Never <laughs> but you think they would be entertained at least? They will most certainly be entertained. Well, that's what Not even just me. Justice will be right. <laughs> but definitely hot dogs. Caribbean people don't eat hot dogs. They tell you so they would be eating jerk like jerk food 
watching, watching silly <laughs> Americans and foreigners and perhaps some space aliens if we could get in contact with some people. I would love to see the... Manichuans. Yeah, the Manichu. I would oh, love yeah. If they can make Waddle an appearance. Up. Yeah, you know. I'm going to stretch this million as far as I can. Good. I, that's the, that's um, the purpose. And, uh, as long as you spend it all, like in one. No, 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 no. For certain, for certain. Because I figure those suits. I mean, they got to be like twenty grand a piece. Probably, you know? yeah, yeah. If Chris yeah. Tucker wore them. Yeah, you're giving so a lot relevant. of you're giving a lot of clout to Chris Tucker. <laughs> I think you're giving more clout to the Fifth Element. Yeah, twenty thousand dollars for for his one of his outfits is um, that'd be a big payday. I think for yeah, Chris Tucker. That's right. that's I don't right. think he owns those outfits. You know. I get so excited when we have guests on, especially having you as a guest, Tiku, that I forget an incredibly vital part of this whole process, which is to, to name the film. Oh, God damn it. I know. It's really... Did I do this every fucking time. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. We need, it. We need a title. It has to be something catchy, something off. When you pass by the poster, you're like, yep, I'm seeing that. The Life and Times of Sean Carter? No, that's an album. That? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the only reason we wouldn't go with that one. What is that? Let's let's really think. Let's really let turn turn our brains on one last time. <laughs> what was this movie about? Debo. The Debo. President. Debo for president. I actually like I think, that. I, I actually do like that, but I think that that's maybe a Friday sequel. Oh damn. <laughs> Uh, is this not? Maybe we say words words similar to to elements. Boil it down to the element, like the fundamental. What about the, Jeff Goldberg's Playhouse? <laughs> That's that could be so many movies. Is okay, sorry, I, was, I missed the last session. We, <laughs> good name. Otherwise, though. it's a good yeah. Good otherwise, name. you you really you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> This is the prequel to the fifth element. It's like the... Fourth element. This is like the fourth yeah. element. Okay. No, nah, let's not go... The, nah, let's go with the first. The first element, first rise element. to power. Uh, oh, that's the tagline yeah. because it's it. their, their ascent. They're, yeah, they're still going up. Awesome. The first element, rise, rise to, to power. power. Starring Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> first In all build. the roles. First build, Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> Gary Oldman... And Jeff Goldblum. Huh. And O'Shea Jackson's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chop liver. So is, what's, the, what's the other guy? Taylor Kitsch. Yeah, Taylor Kitsch is like, fuck yeah, they just paid me, bro. <laughs> We've done it. We, we have. We've done it. We, we did, did every. We did, oh, we did all the things. All those things on you, the list. You made it through. I was pleasantly, I'm surprised still. Like, it's harder than I thought it was going to be, man. Was it really? Yeah, even though I know this movie back and forth. Like, I could do every line right now, but... To be a real bit party champion like you guys, it, it <laughs> takes gusto. Well, you, you welcome to the podcasting world. I yeah. think we'll probably be having you on more often. I, 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 we really enjoyed this. Well, if not, I'll just sit in the back and make creepy noises. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> what producers do, I thought. Hell yeah. <laughs> spot on. Hell yeah. Okay, Bren, this is the time. Sign us off. All right. Thank you all for listening. For Bit Party and the Cotta Brothers, I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. And I'm Tiku Kata. Look out for the first element, Rise to Power, coming to a theaters near you. <laughs>